Another question to ask is, can we outwit the stars? This is coining a term from Yogananda's autobiography of the yogi in the chapter titled Outwitting the Stars. So one of the first things you might ask when you see your life mapped out in astrology timeline is, do I have free will to choose? That's the first thing you're probably going to think. Well, if my whole life is mapped out in these dashas and these timelines, well, where's the choice in that? The thing is, again, your misidentification of who is choosing. That's the problem here. So it's not you, the small self you, or the egoic part of you that's choosing anything anyway. It's the bigger part of you, the, in a way, this higher self, the soul that is choosing and has already chosen everything anyway. So when you align with that, everything is the same. The choice, the desire for something is the thing. And so, well, you cannot choose the weather. You can't even choose how you react to what's happening, but you can change how you perceive it. With a cosmic view, you can change how you see your life. And ultimately, this is all you need to change its trajectory. Christopher Wallace gives a really good analogy of this in his article, Near Enemy Number 11. He's got a book coming out soon called Near Enemies to the Truth. And number 11 is you can choose how to respond. And so this you can choose how to respond is a near enemy to the truth. And this is why it's tricky. In it, he goes, if you're in a sailboat in the middle of the ocean, there's only one little thing you can choose, which is the angle of your rudder, which makes no difference at all to your experience one minute from now and very little difference one day from now or one week from now. But eventually it makes all the difference in the world. It determines whether you make landfall in Australia or Siberia. Basically, that analogy is a really powerful one because it, you recognize that actually it's changing our perspectives, constantly changing our perspectives, astrology, opening up our minds to different ways of looking at what's happening and who we are and how we respond to what's happening that gradually shifts everything. But that also that's why from a Saturn perspective or a Jupiter perspective or Rahu, whatever dasha that you're in, that change of the lens essentially is what changes your life. It's the perspective that's changed. So it's not like anything necessarily has to change even in the world around you. But when you change your perspective, everything changes in the world around you. So it's how we see things that, that makes all the difference. Another philosopher, Bernardo Castrop, explains in one of his YouTube videos, it's called Analytical Idealism on Free Will, episode 10. If you identify with the ego, you have very little free will. However, if you identify with core subjectivity, so he's calling it core subjectivity. We could call it soul. Then he goes on. Then by definition, you have absolute free will because core subjectivity is the lake where existence ripples. There is no difference between free will and determinism at the cosmic level because at the level of core subjectivity or what we might call soul, the desire is the need. The need to do something is the same as the desire to do it. Free will is a philosophical red herring, he points out. My free choices are still determined. They're just determined by me. It all sounds like a complete contradiction, but at this level of the spiritual dimension, it is all contradictory, seemingly to the mind that wants to kind of grasp yes, no, this, that. But again, from the soul perspective, it's there's no difference between your will and the will of the one. It is the same and again, that's why when we align with that, then everything seems to be happening as we want it to happen. But really, from another perspective, there's no difference between you wanting something and it happening. And then it gets skewed in our mind by the sense of I made it happen. 
And so you're likely, your ego is likely to hijack that process and say, I did that. I made that happen. But you didn't make anything happen. You just aligned with what you've already set in place, what already is. This doesn't mean giving up the choosing part. So this does not mean giving up choosing what we would prefer consciously. It actually gives us more freedom to make better choices. So this is, as with any spiritual truth, this might initially sound like a contradiction. But it is an absolute truth that there is a small part of us, the egoic part of us, that is not in control of what is happening and a bigger part of us that is running the show. So only when we are one with what is can we speak of free will. Even when we seem to will something into being from an egoic perspective, what is more accurate is that we may have temporarily taken our attention from our egoic needs and identified with our soul. When I see somebody who is, is struggling so hard with their life, pushing against what is happening, this sense that we have complete and utter free will from that egoic perspective is just such a waste of energy, first of all. But when we align with what already is, it isn't just like we just don't use as much energy up in battling currents of our life. We basically are happier. And so until you actually experience this yourself, you're not going to understand that contradiction. So it doesn't mean that we don't feel sad. It doesn't mean we don't feel angry, anxious and stressed at times. But we don't feel all of those other feelings that we we add to feeling sad. Saturn transits you, on your moon, you're going to feel sad. That's perfect. There's a reason for that. Mars is transiting your moon, you're feeling angry. You're ascendant, you're feeling angry. There's a good reason for that. Tune into it. It's useful. So I think without placing another layer of negativity onto whatever you're feeling that you've already identified as a negative, first of all, you could even argue that is it even helpful to call it negativity like what is sadness is, is it negative what is anger is it negative most people label it negative but really it's just a pure emotion that has purpose so this thing of outwitting the stars yogananda in his autobiography of a yogi just to quote a chapter of his book outwitting the stars so outwitting the stars superstitious awe of astrology makes one an automatum slavishly dependent on mechanical guidance the wise man defeats his planets which is to say his past by transferring his allegiance from the creation to the creator the more he realizes his unity with spirit the less he can be dominated by matter the soul is ever free it is deathless because birthless it cannot be regimented by stars all of that is true every single bit of that is true but what's also true is that his experiences in life, his timeline, is all mapped out in his chart. He has a birth chart like everybody else. So the words of Yogananda are a reminder of our true nature beyond the stars. Because there's always a part of us, or non-part of us, beyond the stars. Yet Yogananda had his own life experiences here on earth clearly reflected in his birth chart and timeline of events. In that way, you and I are no different to Yogananda. And he is no different to you and I. And in his birth chart, by the way, Yogananda had Leo rising with the moon in Leo and his ruler, the sun, in the fifth whole sign, Sagittarius. So you might even just from that deduce that actually having Leo rising alone would make him act. That's what the rising sign is more about, acting. And feel, that's the moon in Leo, as if he were in control of his destiny. That's what the fire dominant signs Aries, Leo and Sagittarius tend to do. They approach life in that way. They're the dharmic signs, Aries, Leo and Sagittarius. So he had a very Leo and Sagittarius kind of chart. 
So that itself is mapped out in his bird chart though. So did he outwit the stars? It's probably more helpful to state that Yogananda aligned with his core subjectivity, as Castro points out, and became one with the creator. He became one with the soul. His moon lined up with his soul's expression in his sun sign in Leo. And so we too can rise above our karmic patterning and our life stories and our dashes and timelines that are mapped out in our birth charts. But we all have a birth chart. And if we try to ignore that, that's when the problems begin. This is the, the most important point I feel that I'm going to make and then finish on this point that actually it's by using astrology in a practical way, in a very practical down to earth way and spirituality is the most practical thing. But in other practical ways and just understanding how the seasons of our life progress, how we experience our life through time. By aligning with that, we don't waste all of our energy trying to make things a certain way or regret things or whatever. We just align with what is and all that energy is spared in order for us to pursue the truth of who we really are beyond timelines, our timelessness. So we can use astrology timelines for sure to help us navigate our life. But at the same time, we can experience our timelessness. That way we don't get tripped up on life events when looking at the stars. So that is my two cents. If you have any thoughts about this, please feel free to post below. I will post the new article very soon called Can We Outwit the Stars? That might trigger more debate also, more discussion. And we might also gather together um, once the summer's over and discuss some of these big themes. Yeah, I hope you got something from that. I hope you enjoyed that. And I look forward to hearing from you. Okay, until next time.